We're on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Oh, there, there you go. And, um, and uh, we are here with uh, Professor Halevi, who's, of course, the long-time, the long-time Director General of Sharet Tzedek Medical Center at Jerusalem. We will not use the words outgoing or former. We can't, we can't do that, Professor Well, Alec. my formal uh, title now is president of the hospital. Ah, there you go. But so I'm definitely the outgoing uh, CEO of the hospital after running it for 31 years, from 1988 to 2019, mid-2019. Uh, and it's a different life and not a different life. Right. I guess that's what you want to ask me about. Oh, we'll talk about that, that's for sure. I'm curious what you thought of the celebration in New York. What did you think of that evening when we were all together uh, just over a month ago celebrating your stint at Shari Tzedek? Yeah. Well, first of all, I have a very strong feeling of akaratatov, of gratitude to all the people in the U.S. and in Israel that worked behind the screen and behind my back to prepare this <laughs> dinner in my honor, and I'm very grateful to the many donors who together gave over $2 million, around $2.3 million in my honor. It's really uh, a big sense of uh, privilege, things that were said then. Uh, I gave uh, a short speech about, uh, if you were there, you sure. heard about the road not taken, deliberating about what would have happened uh, to me and to many patients if I took a different road when I was at the crossroad at the age of 38 when the late Mr. Ludwig Jesselson uh, suggested to me, offered to me to come to Sharet Tzedek. My wife gave the Radina gave a very, um, you know, heart sp speech from the heart, about the heart. And uh, it was it was quite an experience, I must say. It was, uh, it was some celebration. It should be a humbling experience, but it was quite an experience. It was really amazing. Professor Alevi is Thank with you. us. It is difficult to maintain a hospital. It takes a lot of money. It takes great personnel. It takes a lot of ingenuity. And these days, with the ever-changing world of technology and medicine, it's almost impossible to keep up to date. Um, I know that you surround yourself and your whole organization surrounds itself with, with amazing people, great medical professionals. But am I right that it's just one of these, that one of these races that is so difficult to keep up with? Well, some professionals, but to be fair, most of them are from the healthcare arena, right. say that this is the most uh, difficult job on earth. I, I disagree. I think the most difficult job in the world is to run the state of Israel <laughs> and to be the prime minister of Israel. And you can see what's uh, happening these days for better and for worse and uh, what really ingenuity, resilience, uh, it takes really to, uh, to be the Prime Minister of Israel. But now seriously, running a hospital is a difficult job because you really have to combine medical, administrative, um, you know, leadership, interpersonal skill, abilities in order to do it successfully. And you're 100% right. The world of medicine is changing so rapidly and it's becoming more and more difficult to stay up to date, to uh, keep um, the hospital financially uh, viable. Uh, you can see around us, even in Israel, those that are not governmental hospitals, not Kupat Cholim hospitals, are all uh, suffering. And I take great pride of the fact that we were able to do it. Uh, and we were able to do it with the help of many friends from uh, around the world. 
Um, I think that the key to success is exactly as you said, you pinpointed it, to surround yourself with good people. And by good people, I mean people in leadership roles in the hospital, namely, mainly not only your colleagues in the management team, which is very important, but all the heads of departments. In Sharet Tzedek today, there are 120 heads of departments, units, and services. If you concentrate on the departments with beds, the heavy departments, the main department, we're talking about 25 departments. If the head of the hospital is able to mend these departments with heads that, in my view, abide by five criteria, where they are considered to be superb. Nobody is an angel, including not heads of hospitals. But if you aspire to that, that every head of department would be a mensch, a leader in the discipline that he's about to manage, top managerial skills, a good researcher, and a good teacher. These are the five qualities. If you aspire to that, and you can achieve as close as the maximum on these five arenas, the head of the hospital can really not go to sleep, right. but can be satisfied that things are done. And that's what I devoted my 31 years, you know. Fundraising was important, and the hospital would not exist without it, but it's a side job. It took between 10 to 15 percent of my time. As I said at the New York dinner, I made thousands, hundreds of new friends, but the main task of the hospital director is really to select the best people to man key positions because such a personality will attract the best deputies, the best senior physicians, the best nurses, the best residents. So it's not the money, and I'm being serious when I say it's not the money that keeps you up at night. It's not, that's not, as you said, 15%. It's not, that's not what gives you the sleepless nights. The sleepless nights are, is the ma actual management of the hospital yeah. and making sure everyone's doing their job. Well, there, there are many sleepless nights and many reasons for a sleepless night. Including financial. First and foremost, yeah, I mentioned the financial, but if you want to grade, sure. to grade them from really the point of view of the amount of anxiety that is induced when things don't go well, first of all, it's an unexpected death or unexpected disability of a patient that you feel that you could be could be avoided. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, if uh, a new mother, if a patient in labor loses her life, and it's that's the tragedy of a head of a hospital. A woman who comes for a happy occasion to the hospital, she's supposed to leave the hospital, you know, they came one or she and the husband, and uh, they are supposed to leave three, and she does not leave the hospital. And it's interesting to say, and this is the tragedy, it happened in my 31 years five times. Do you actually remember the number of times? Of course, and remember the names and every occasion, <sighs> because it is so meaningful. Um, but uh, I don't know if meaningful is only a positive term, or you can use it in, no. um, in this sense. And it's very interesting because at least 50% of the time when a mother in labor loses her life, and don't forget in these 31 years, there probably were, look on the average, take mm -hmm. 15,000. So there were about 450,000 deliveries in Charlotte. And we are talking about five cases. And most of the times it's amniotic fluid embolus, which is unavoidable. And you can't do much. 
and we did as much as possible, rushing her to the operation theater and so on, resuscitation, but still, this is something that really will give you not one sleepless night, but many, many days of sleepless nights. Now, there are other cases of patients that you feel that, you know, thank God they are very, um, very unusual, but it happens in the life of a head of a hospital that you feel someone come not out of surgery, alive or comes out with a disability where you feel that it could be avoided. That's the most difficult situation. Uh, the second is uh, definitely the financial. If you uh, cannot pay salaries in Shari Tzedek is what we call a public-private hospital. We are public in the way that we are not for profit. We are public in the way that we develop our services according to the needs of the community and not according to financial considerations and others. We are private because we are not owned, not by the government, not by Kupatholim, not by one of the HMOs. We are owned by an international board of directors, counting around 36 people from all over the world, who were elected for the first time in 1873 by the founders of the hospital. Wow. Of course, none of them is still officiating, <laughs> but you know, they replace one another and they are the owners. They hired my services 32 years ago. They uh, could fire me now three months notice all through these 31 years. And I'm grateful to them that they didn't. And, uh, and they are responsible. They are accountable to the public that the hospital is run smoothly without corruption and with the best medical care. And it's the CEO of the hospital that has to implement this policy. You know, one of the interesting things, I'm just going back for a moment to what you told us about these five cases. I, I think many of the people listening, and, and myself included, um, are surprised to know that you know of all these cases. That these cases, that, that in your position, in your lofty position in the, you know, in the hierarchy of the hospital, you may not even be informed of certain things or, or be brought up to date on, on things like that. And believe me, I know how important a situation like that is. So just that you're aware of it and that it, it ends up causing you the aggravation and pain that it does is, is pretty remarkable. You're right, but I do believe without false modesty that every head of a hospital knows about this case. A, it's very unusual. It's always unexpected. Uh, there are standing orders for the staff that every unexpected death should be informed, right. let alone this. And I was informed on all of them when the patient was alive. Right. And I rushed to the hospital because I think that the staff needs my support at that time, although I'm not a gynecologist. Right. And the family. I couldn't add anything. And, of course, right. the family. And actually, the head of the hospital should act together with the social worker as a liaison between what's happening in the resuscitation efforts that usually take place right. in the operation theater near the uh, delivery rooms. Communication. And the, and the family. Right. And the family. But I would not concentrate on that because, again, each one of these cases is it's really so a disaster. But don't forget, it's five out of 450,000 right. <laughs> almost, almost babies half a million born. Birth. So I don't want any uh, yeah, pregnant woman that. to be panicked <laughs> that Perf she is a candy. It's a very, very <laughs> rare situation, but very dramatic. Professor Alevi is here, uh, and we're looking forward to our visit to Shari Tzedek this coming Monday. On that topic, we were discussing this earlier, you're always going through renovations and expansion. It seems like it's never-ending, and I think that's a good thing that it's never-ending. And now the emergency room is a big focus, cancer center, big focus, a lot of things going on. One of the things that was pointed out here on this show earlier today, though, was that the hospital operates 
to full capacity, even through through all of those situations. How is that possible? Okay, it all depends where you build. We were in more difficult situation. You know that I'm very grateful to my predecessor, Professor David Mayer, who moved the hospital from Jaffa Road, one of the magnificent buildings of Jerusalem, but it was too small for the hospital, to Bayit Wagan across from Mount Herzl, where we are today. And he left the upper two floors of the hospital, ninth and the tenth floor, empty, because he was a great believer in the future of the city, future of immigration to Jerusalem, and he was right. And it was me, for me, to build this floor, which today is our birthing center, the ninth floor, and the tenth floor is our heart center, two of our flagships. And building in the building was much, much more difficult than today when we built a separate building or when we completed a couple of years ago, again with the generosity of friends from all over the world, the next generation building, because mm -hmm. this was a building adjacent. And the cancer center is adjacent to the next generation building and to the nursing school. The problem was to build in the hospital. And it takes special planning, the engineers and the builders were aware of it, that they are building in the, in the building of the hospital. While there are patients uh, We in took the precautions yeah, in the contract about uh, air pollution, about noise. They couldn't work today in the cancer center. They worked till 11 at night. They couldn't do it when they were in the building. Because, uh, you know, for the patients, it had to be... Only we get to make noise in the building yeah. during the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> and now the emergency room, it's also going through an expansion, The right? emergency room is going through expansion, but again, it's going to be outside. We have now ah. a big tent where we accommodate all our uh, equipment for mass casualty events. We are going to move it and to build, and this is out of the existing area of the emergency room. Boy. So it's not going to be in the building. So there's but smaller projects are always done in the building. A hospital right. that doesn't build goes back. It's right. uh, there's always projects that need funding. There's always projects that are being done, and thank God the, the people that uh, we speak to generally, New York, New Jersey, has been very generous, have been very kind to Shari Tzedek Medical Center, Baruch Hashem. This is true. And, uh, and, and you are discovering, based on what you told us, more and more people, new families who you know, are abroad, who are not in Israel, who want to help out, who want to help build Israel. And it's funny, and, and the Shari Tzedek example I think is unique. People really do feel they are helping to build Israel when they fund projects of yours at the hospital. Look, I'm very subjective about it, but what could be more of help to the people of Israel in general, because 25% of our patients come from out of town, and to the people of Jerusalem, uh, then helping the largest hospital in the center of the city of Jerusalem who treats every uh, segment of Israeli society. 25% yeah. comes from outside Jerusalem? From outside Jerusalem, to our centers of excellence. Yeah. That's quite a statistic. You're, you're yeah. servicing a whole area of this country. Yeah, well, our formal catchment area is still Bet Shemesh. Right. Uh, not more, but Shemesh already split. Some of them go to Asafarofe. Modin splits between the Tel Aviv area right. and Asafarofe and Jerusalem. But uh, altogether, 25 mainly to our heart center for complex catheterization. Our department of surgery is uh, really unique in complex liver and pancreatic surgery, surgical oncology, where patients, when they shop around, they decide to come from Kiryat Shmone, from Haifa, from Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv has excellent medical center, but for specific 
task, you know, complex eye surgery, complex abdominal surgery, sometimes complex heart surgery, definitely complex catheterizations, neurosurgery, skull base. Ne even neurosurgery today is divided into subspecialties. There are those who do the axial when the, God forbids, the tumoral, the cancer in the brain is in the center or if it's on the skull base. So our head of neurosurgery happens to be one of the two leading skull-based surgeons in Israel. So uh, if someone is shopping around, he lives in Beersheba and is looking for a skull-based neurosurgeon, there is a very good chance that he will come to us. Unbelievable. Do you attract anybody from outside of Israel to come for surgery to Shari Tzedek? I'll tell you. I'll tell you the truth. We have medical tourism and I limited it. Based on Aniye Ircha and Aniye Iracheret, Aniye Ircha Kodmim, when the poor of your city of are needy, they take a priority right. over those from other cities. So in any um, medical issue where there are significant waiting lists of Israeli, I did not allow medical tourism. Now for fertility, there are no waiting, uh, waiting lists. For Daycare oncology, not for surgery, but for spinal surgery, Israelis are waiting. For cataract surgery, Israelis are waiting. It's unfair to bring medical tourism. So we have limited medical tourism, and the limit, the scope, the limiting of the scope was self-made, was done by us. We're looking forward to our visit on Monday to Sharet Sedek. It's always a pleasure and honor to have you on the air. And Thank continued you. success in your uh, new position as president of the hospital. Thank you very much, Nachum. It's always, a, always a pleasure to be here. I appreciate that. Always a delight to have Professor Alevi. Tadarban, Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom and Borach. Uh, more coming up. You are listening to a Friday morning live edition of JM in the AM from Jerusalem. We are here at the Inbal Hotel in Yerushalayim.